Right, okay, so when you look at a mirror, you, you expect to see something that resembles what you know you look like. You expect the image to, to have eyes and ears and a nose that is arranged and shaped according to your distinct appearance, right? Now, if you looked at the mirror and saw a green elephant rather than a person with your characteristics, you would know something is wrong with the image. The Bible tells us that God made humanity in his image, which means that we are meant to reflect back to God things about him that we can mirror as his creaturely representatives. After he created us according to his likeness, he then then declared that creation was very good. And a significant aspect of that very good was that he, our God, was properly represented in the world. And yet by our sin, we have come to distort God's reflection. Whereas initially we were very good, now no one is righteous and no one seeks for good. We are the mirror that shows the green elephant, or worse, rather than a pristine reflection. The main point as we consider this is that our purpose, our purpose as God's image is to reflect our Creator's goodness, which now we can do only because of Christ's work. Our purpose, as God's image, is to reflect our Creator's goodness, which now we can do only because of Christ's work. Now, we're going to work through this in three points, describing God's image, defining God's image, and depicting God's image. So first... Describing God's image. Now, last week, right, if you can remember, we, we thought about how God authored order into creation. God made everything oriented towards its specific purpose. We explored the, the sort of the more general idea that, that God formed the universe in a properly ordered way. Everything did what it was supposed to do. But now, we need to connect that idea really pointedly to our relationship with God. So this first point, then, outlines how God's image is properly ordered towards reflecting God's goodness. We are naturally oriented in the way that we were made, not anymore, but in the way that we were made, toward a relationship with God. But we have tarnished ourselves so that that relationship is broken. Now, if we if we think about our text, right? Throughout the creation week, God displayed his power as he made things according to his will, and they truly work according to the end to which he appointed them. Right? The, the light 
distinguishes day and night. The, the, tr- the, the sky truly separates earth and clouds. Land and sea are distinct. And sun and moon do govern the day and night still. There was a repeated refrain throughout this text. God said, let there be, whatever, and it was so. And that refrain marks God's commands, but also how God's speech produced exactly what he commanded with each thing operating towards its designated role. So I... Uh, the little phrase, and it was so, which, yeah, this will expose how big of a, a dork I am. Uh, it always makes me think of Captain Picard on Star Trek. Because uh, often he, he would give his order and, and he would end his command with, make it so. Which marked, though, significantly, marked how there was nothing more to say. That was it. It just needed to be done. And so, too, when God speaks... Creation just makes it so. There's nothing left to be said. The universe does what God commanded. God spoke sun, light, and moon into existence, and they still govern day and night as he intended. God spoke land and sea into existence, and they still define habitats of land and sea creatures as he intended. But God also spoke humanity into existence, appointing them to the role of bearing his image. Now, there's been a a long discussion uh, about what God's image means. What, What is that? After all, God has no body. He has no parts. So it can't refer to our arms and legs and faces, that kind of thing. And so theologians have still, though, wanted to find something distinct about human nature that makes us God's image. So some suggest the fact that we have uh, souls, you know, a spiritual aspect of our existence, and that makes us God's image. Uh, Others have said that our ability to reason, especially to reason ethically and not just uh, listen to instinct, and that sets us apart from animals, that that makes us God's image. Now certainly, our, our souls and our minds make us fit to be creatures in covenant with God. Still though, if we think about the text, not, not speculation to some degree, if we think about the text, just like we see that The sun and moon's purpose is not in the cosmic orbs themselves, but in the role, function of aiding earthly life. So too, I think we need to locate God's image in the role and the relationship that God gave us at creation. What do I mean by that? Uh, Bearing God's image entails the function, the responsibility of representing God. So our Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 10, summarizes uh, Colossians 3.10, Ephesians 4.24, 
and Genesis 1.28, stating that God created man, male and female, after his own image, with knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, and dominion over the creatures. Now that, that digest of scriptural points about the divine image highlights the function of knowing truth, being righteous, demonstrating holiness, and ruling creation as God's representatives as the tasks that constitute faithfully bearing God's image. So as I belabored last week, that that God properly ordered everything in the universe to fulfill its appointed end, more specifically, we see now that God properly ordered humanity to reflect and represent him on the creaturely level. We are supposed to manifest God within the created universe. We properly, though, represent God in whose image we are crafted when we manifest His truthfulness in our knowledge, His perfection in our righteousness, His goodness in our holiness, and His sovereignty in our limited and yet responsibly executed dominion. The theologian Michael Horton explains, We could say that human beings are those who reflect God's image, not chiefly in what they are essentially, but in how they reply ethically. Though they are determined as human persons by the mere fact of their creation as God's image, their realization of the purpose of their personhood depends on whether they correspond to God's intentions. Being God's image highlights our commission to reflect God's character. God spoke us into being as his representatives, and it happened. It was so. But... Unlike all the other facets of creation, we made a problem. Right? God said, let us make man in our image, and it was so. But the image said, I'd actually rather have that other fruit than keep reflecting your righteousness. Whereas sun and moon, sky and earth, land and sea still do exactly what God commissioned them to do, humanity has discarded our commission in favor of our own desires. We describe God's image by taking account of the role that God gave us to represent. That brings us to our second point, defying God's image, defying God's image. Right, so, so we, we just outlined that our role as God's image uh, by showing that we should reflect God within the world as the creatures in covenant with him. Now, like last week, we considered how sin disorders us from what we were made to be. This point explores how we distort God's image. 
So, right, an image is supposed to do something, right? I mean, an image captures appearance, yes, but but it does more. A, a mirror monitors our appearance. That's its function. A photograph preserves a memory. A, a poster motivates specific values. Images capture appearance, but they also perform a function. They do something. And so too with God's image. We are meant to represent him on the creaturely plane. That function means that godliness is about more than simply, more than simply keeping God's commands. Let's think about it this way. Parents uh, often encounter the difficulty of answering the repeated question, why, <laughs> in instructing their kids. Uh, it, now, eventually, it is uh, completely understandably <laughs> easy enough to, to say, because I said so. It, it's the simple, final appeal to raw authority. And the trouble is that at least recently, Christians think of God like that too. So we imagine that our obedience is simply keeping a list of things that God has said to do as activities rather than as holistic descriptions of what we should be like. Christians in the modern era have focused on command rather than character. The world becomes frustrated with us because the only answer that we have given to support our ethical positions is the Bible says so. The the appeal to authority, but disconnected from purpose. It's fully legitimate to to point to Scripture's instruction. Where else would we go, right? To to know these things, to state these things in writing, but we shortchange ourselves and others if we stop there. When Scripture itself actually supports further answers. I mean, the Bible often focuses on character and good as good, which should shape human life as those made in God's image. So if you'll let me recycle last week's illustration of a watch. A watch needs certain features. I mean, it needs a face and a dial and hands, I suppose, yeah, run with me. It needs hands, I think, to be a watch. Uh, but it also needs to perform its role properly by having hands that turn the right direction. And it needs to keep proper time. If the hands turn the wrong way, or if the inner cogs cannot track time well, then this watch that has all the right features is really less than a watch? And the point 
is that we can have those features of a, of a soul and the rational mind that are needed to be God's image. But if our moral circuitry is wrongly wired, then we function inadequately as God's image. And, and this is so important because since humanity is God's image, is God's image, that failure means that to be wrongly wired, to love godless things, means that we are not truly functioning in a rightly human way. To work even internally against our purpose to represent God is to short-circuit what we were made to do. Right? We've forgotten our purpose. And that puts our, our focus in obedience not on simply carrying out God's commands. We certainly do that, but I'm emphasizing simply. We don't simply carry out God's commands, but we're also supposed to have the proper character. We want to keep God's commands and keep God as the authority that he has to be, but we want to be rightly ordered according to purpose as well. Authority and purpose. What does this mean? God is truth. God is truth. So we should not lie, but love truth. There's a rationale for the ninth commandment. Okay, God is life. So we should not murder but love life. God is faithful to his bride, so we avoid fornication and adultery. There's a purpose in reflecting God in what he has commanded us to do and be like. This means that we cannot be satisfied with merely, merely keeping a list of right things to do. We have to be concerned about our virtue, right? A, a virtue is the, the practiced habit and, and disposition, right? right? So the more that by grace we develop and strengthen our disposition, our reflex, our impulse toward godliness, the more in tune we are with what it means to be truly human. When, you, when you're at the GP and, and he hits your knee with the little reflex testing hammer, right? it shows that you aren't operating rightly if your leg does not have a reflex. It's supposed to react instinctually like this. And so too as God's image, right? we, when we encounter the situations of the world, our reflex, as we develop our virtue, our reflex should more and more be that we respond like God would have us be. And I, yeah, I imagine that this right here is where most of us struggle. I, I, I would guess, and actually I know that at least most of you are good at being outwardly kind to others. But 
We, we deeply struggle not to be angry with people. Right. I, I may be able to, to be outwardly happy for my successful friends, but, but inside I churn with envy and resentment. Right? And that's not the reflex of God's image. When we find ourselves wrestling right there, we have, we have to ask ourselves why our hearts would be in such turmoil over these issues. Right? And the answer is usually that because we have put our focus on representing ourselves and our own interests rather than on representing God. And in that case, even though we are supposed to be the mirror reflecting God's image, we depict that ugly green elephant right at our neighbors. We defy God's image by refusing not just to do the things God commands, but more so by refusing to be the sort of person he made us to be. That brings us to our last point, depicting God's image. Our commission as God's image to reflect God, but but our failure to do so puts us in a really precarious position, doesn't it? The watch turns backward is destined to be discarded. The mirror reflects the green elephant is bound to be broken. What of us, whose purpose is to be oriented towards God, yet have rebelled? Since we have sinned against our God and failed to meet our purpose, we are doomed for destruction. Every breath that does not align with perfectly reflecting God collects further torment as we peer down the barrel of eternity. We are accountable to God for our sin because, as Romans 2.15 says at times, even Gentiles who by nature do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires. That leaves us without excuse or hope unless we can find rescue. And so... You have, must, look to Christ. As Hebrews 1.3 tells us, the Son is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Christ is the original, the ultimate, and the unsurpassable image of God. And he perfectly reflects God's every perfection and does so eternally. And yet, the Son who perfectly manifested divine radiance took the form of a servant because we needed someone in our nature to succeed at fulfilling for us 
all righteousness of the divine image. Whereas we are the mirrors who have marred God's image so fit for destruction, the beautiful Son of God who perfectly radiates divine majesty sacrificed himself so that his glory was temporarily smeared across the cross. Also that he could rescue you from everlasting ruin. When we should be discarded, Christ paid for our failures and remakes us in his likeness so that being predestined to be conformed to his image, right, restores our creation purpose. Those restored to God's image in Christ, though, we live here and now with, with a tension and a responsibility. Right? You see, you see, that purpose to reflect God in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness by our nature means that God's law is stamped on our hearts and embedded in our nature. You, you cannot escape, you cannot escape the news of the law since that standard of, of righteousness rings in our hearts as though we live inside a cathedral bell. You cannot outrun the law, nor how the law is hardwired into the fabric of your being. And that is why Christians struggle with the tension of the gospel. The law is in us, but the gospel must be delivered to us. We, we showed desperately want a way to appeal to our obedience for consolation. Because we are good. We are good at speaking the law to ourselves. Yet we know that we have shattered it. And that is why we have to hear the gospel. Right? God commissions public worship like this. Because no, it is not, I'm not saying it's bad. It is good to consider the gospel, read books, devotionals on your own. But you need to be told the gospel. We must hear it. The tension resolves in learning to accept what is delivered to us in the news of Christ. The law written on our hearts condemns since we are so far from fulfilling its call. So we need to hear the word that God has written on the cross instead. We do not, we do not have to earn our place with God because Christ has earned it for us. The twofold responsibility in light of that then is to listen to the gospel but also to speak the gospel right we have these conversations and we want to encourage people and i think so far so often we 
we don't mention the simple truths of the gospel because we fear that our Christian friends tire of this message. That's too simple and basic. I need something more. But, but those who know their sin need to hear this news constantly, just like you do. Right? Every single one of us, every single one of us is tired and frightened under the law. And so, we give ourselves to listen and to speak. We depict God's image now as we receive it from Christ and as we speak good news to others like Christ speaks good news to us. We listen because Christ speaks as the true image of God who forged our pathway to everlasting life. And we speak because every single one of us so easily forgets the way. And we need each other to point the way back. Let's pray. Father God, we see how being your image is a marvelous privilege in that we have actual covenantal relationship with you unlike anything else in the created universe. We are your covenantal creatures. And yet it also comes with a responsibility and one that we have forsaken, which is why we rejoice in Christ, the the ultimate image of God, the one who bears the exact imprint of the divine nature has come in our nature to redeem us. We know, we feel the weight of how lost we would be without him. And so we pray that you would make us good listeners about the wonderful news of Christ, but that you would also make us good speakers, applying one ethical to you in more faithfully representing and reflecting your image back to you for your glory but also make us good speakers to one another because we all so easily forget. We fail to remember. Part of missing our responsibility in knowledge is that we forget. And we forget the gospel. But just as you commissioned us with inherent relationships, inherent community, as the one bound to you as your image, we pray that you would make us a faithful community together, that we would bear one another's burdens. And particularly, as we struggle, as we wander through this path as pilgrims together, that you would make us good at keeping one another on the path together not because our obedience on the path gets us to the destination, but certainly it directs our way, knowing 
that Christ is the one who paved this road for us. And so we can go there safely. We pray these things in his precious holy name.